Hey guys. I have Brett with me here today as always and of course I'm Angie. Thanks for watching. Uh, this week we are going to take it back a little bit and you know try to just really talk about how you can get out and break that paycheck to paycheck cycle. Um, you know we really wanted to create this podcast to be more for the average Joe and I think we found ourselves like advancing in topics fairly quickly. So we just wanted to peel it back and be like hey no matter where you are in your financial journey this is some good reminders and some good advice. And if you are just starting it, this is a great place to start, I would say. Yep. So, um, you know, I think the basic thing is start with baby steps. You know, don't be too hard on yourselves. So if you've always been living a paycheck to paycheck cycle, I would recommend just start tracking expenses. I think that's something that we've always done. Yep. It's a powerful way to be able to analyze, you know, where your money goes. And a lot of people don't know, they, they don't pay attention to it. Uh, it's hard to pay attention to, right? Yeah. Uh, so unless you're keeping diligent notes or you're using a system, you know, like we've talked before, like mint.com or personal capital or free services where you can just log in and it'll tie your bank account and your credit cards together and show you full transactional history and graphical, you know, pie charts and stuff about where your money's going into what categories, gas, restaurants, you know, entertainment, stuff like that. Um, and, and really show you how, you know, where your money is going. Exactly. You say like, okay, I've spent, you know, way too much money on entertainment this week. Maybe dial it back. Or I bought too many clothes this week. Yeah. Um, you know, dial it back again. Or even I spent way too much on food. How do I cut back on spending so much on food? Um, there's better I know ways we've to, been there. <laughs> yeah, there's better ways to do that too, right? There's For buying the same thing in the grocery store or the same amount of meals, you know, two, two different families can eat for very, very different price, uh, you know, price, yeah. prices. I actually, um, you know, I've helped a lot of people budget in my life and it's something I'm, I really love and I think it, I'm passionate about. And I've talked to two different families before and for groceries, not even going out to eat or any of that, one was spending $1,000 a month on groceries and one was spending three fifty. And when I asked them, you know, I, I assumed like the one spending that much more must be eating super healthy and organic, right? And they were like, oh, we try to, but the, the reason it was so high was not because they were eating healthy. I think that's a huge misconception. They were actually buying a lot of prepackaged food. Prepared foods. Prepared ingredients. Yep. I mean, they were going and it was just easier to go down the frozen aisle and, you know, buy pre-made chicken cordon bleu, right? Than make it themselves. And it was just... They had, you know, kind of extensive taste too, right? You know, they were buying steaks to grill and eating. They were all eating, you know, 16 ounces of steak or something. And the other family was very economical and they would, they were actually eating quite healthy. They were eating a lot of meat and vegetables, but instead of just a big plate of meat, they were, you know, making casseroles and stuff. So, um, but until either family started tracking it, they had no idea. They had no idea what their budget was and, how much they should spend. So um, that's why I say if you're starting on this, start with tracking your expenses. Figure out where your money is going, um, and then you can figure out where you think it should be going. Uh, and I think a lot of times, you know, you can, we did a whole budget series on how much you should be budgeting for transportation and food and housing. Um, and that's a great place to start for some baselines on how much should I be spending on this stuff? Because you might realize that you've overinflated your lifestyle. You know, a lot of times when I talk to people, it is not an income problem. It is a spending problem. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, you know, the hard reality is sometimes you have bought that new car or you have bought that new house and maybe you kind of went too far, right? And so now you, you have to either cut back in other areas or start downsizing things. And that's that's hard. But until you track, you don't know. Yep. Yeah. And one more thing on the food. I mean, it may be normal for a lot of people to want to eat meat. Meat is just expensive. Beef is expensive. Chicken is getting really expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, pork's going to be getting expensive too as soon as other people figure out beef and chicken are too expensive, right? <laughs> it's all going to keep, you know, fighting itself to the top of the, the expensive food chain. Uh, fish has been really expensive for quite a long time, right? There's some cheaper cuts, but, uh, you know, some of it's getting polluted and unhealthy. And so the the, the quality fish that you're going to get is really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not normal to eat meat outside of the United States as your primary main course meal. It's always a side. It's always a portion or an equal portion of other things or a lesser portion of, of other elements on your plate. Um, but, you know, and nowhere where, where we've traveled has like meat been uh, the number one thing you can eat, except Vienna, where they only give you sausages. Well, no, because it or it's schnitzel and they pound the meat so thin and bread it. So it's mostly bread at that's, that point. That's true. Mostly bread, um, breadcrumbs. Yeah. But no, that's a really good point. And I think... You know, our biggest complaint when we travel and we're talking to other Americans is everyone's like, oh, I just mistake in burgers. You can't get them like you can in the U.S. And that's very true. They don't serve big pound. You know, we go out to eat and you can get a half pound or a pound burger or someplace. Or 32 ounce steak. Like that's unheard of unless they're catering to American tourists. Right. right? So, you know, I think that's kind of another thing is just. If you like that stuff, I'm not saying deprive yourself. No, you, know, you like it's, it's meat. It's a personality. We trait. eat meat, yeah, um, but we we try to make it like when we have that nicer meat. Like when he does rib night, we don't do rib night once a week. We do that maybe once every couple months, and then when we have it, it's really good because it's a really a treat. Most nights, you know, meat is an ingredient. We cook up a chicken and we make meals all week with it. We make casseroles. We make stir fries. We'll do tacos. tacos. Um, you know, there's a lot you can do and just kind of spread it out. Um, so, you know, really a, the big thing there is to just start tracking it. And if you think you should cut it, get creative. But yeah, don't do not do it because you think you have to or because that's the normal thing to do in the United States. Uh, because even, even in my lifetime, it was normal for like the butcher shop to be the primary source, like a local butcher shop. Right when I was a kid, that was the thing. And then in the last about 30, 30 to 40 years across the country, we've gotten like mainstream meat production mm-hmm. in huge quantities. Like your grandparents didn't eat as much meat as you eat today. Yeah. Right. So don't and say that that is the, the American thing to do because 40 years ago, it was not the right. American thing to do. And I don't want to get on too much of a health kick, but the meat that you get now is different than the meat that our grandparents were getting. That's the, what my mom the says. The cows yeah. are raised differently. The chickens are raised differently. So I won't, I won't get on too much of a tangent, but you know, I was a vegetarian for a long time and I really support that type of lifestyle. The only reason I started incorporating meat into my diet again is because we get it all locally. We get it, you know, very locally and we don't eat it that often. I would say we maybe incorporate meat into our dinners only, not really breakfast or lunch ever. And we do it maybe three times a week, you know? Right. So it's, it's a good balance for us. You know, it works really well for us. And then it's more like, a treat, but our food bills have gone down tremendously because of this. Yeah. And we don't feel deprived ever. We we do not deprive ourselves of food for sure. But if you want to eat burgers and you want to eat steak every meal, that's your choice. Just know that, you know, other people are eating less. And if you choose to eat less, it'll cost exactly. you less, right? So you're choosing to pay more for that item. Totally fine. You know, we totally support whatever choices you want to make. Just be empowered that... 
you know, you're making that choice. Yeah. And, you know, a big thing when I work with people on budgets is we always talk about priorities and people will say, you know, well, I just can't afford that. Or I really wish I could afford a house, but I just can't. And I always tell them you can't, you could afford it, but it's not your priority. Your priority is eating steak every night and that's okay. But then you can't have the house too, right? You can't have your cake and eat it too. Um, so I think, you know, there it's just, there are trade-offs that you're going to have to make. Um, and I, I think that's a big thing to breaking the paycheck to paycheck cycle is realizing you're going to have to make trade-offs. You cannot continue living life the way you've been living because clearly you've been living to zero every month and we want to get you, you know, saving, saving first, actually. Yep. So other than, uh, you know, cutting back on some of the more expensive food items, what else is on the list for you know, maybe so, saving some dollars? You know, I'm going to, I'm not actually going to talk quite as much about saving dollars because I think the big exercise that I want to get through to people is it's personal for everybody. I mean, we we did a budget series. You can listen to that and get some more tips, but I'm going to talk about some other strategies, if that's okay, yeah. um, that you can kind of implement and maybe kind of help jumpstart this journey. So, you know, one big thing I did when I was younger and I was learning to budget um, in college, because that's a clear time when you're living paycheck to paycheck because you don't make very much money. Um, but I started using the envelope system. So, uh, you know, for starters, have you ever even heard of that or done that? Maybe not. Uh, I've never done anything with envelopes other okay. than, you know, hide some money away somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, I used to do envelopes. And what I did each month was I would write, you know, rent and food and uh, books, you know, for college books and Bar money, I was in college, not going to deny it. Coffee money, that was another big thing when I was in college. Um, but I had, I literally had envelopes for all of my main expense items. I, I found this through Mint. You know, I found where am I going? Gas was on there. And I, you know, I had these big categories. And then I would put cash. I, at the beginning of the month, I would go to the ATM and I would take out all the cash I need and fill my envelopes. And then that's all I got for the month. Um and, and the reason I started doing this is because then I was saving 20%. So 20% I left in the bank account. I never took it out. In I, your you checking? Know, I, yeah. In my checking. So I only took out 80% of, of my paycheck. And that's what I had to spend to get through the month. And so, you know, when I did the envelope system, it was really nice because if I needed to borrow, you know, from my grocery money to buy myself some more coffee during finals week, I could totally do that. That was fine. You know, and I had a miscellaneous one in case... Something came up during the month. Um, and I, I could borrow from those, but I could never go back to my checking account and take out more. So that money was being saved no matter what. And I had to figure everything else out with what was in my envelopes. Mm -hmm. I think this is really powerful for a lot of people because if you're doing everything with a checking and savings account and they're linked, it is so easy to get on your computer and just transfer more money to your checking account if you mm -hmm. spend it down. Yep. But when you do the envelope system, you have to make that decision like I'm going to get in my car and burn through more gas that I don't have money for because I'm at zero already to take out money from my savings account to buy this thing. Is that really worth it? Right. And people will spend two minutes online to do that. No problem. Because that's what that's actually what I did. I, I who knew who knew that I was following the system digitally in the first place. I had, you know, six different savings accounts set up. And I was direct depositing different amounts of money into those savings account. One was like for my emergency fund to build that up uh, when I was in college. One was for 
uh, new car, saving up for you know a down payment on a new car, or the payment for the new car. Uh, one was saving for a down payment on a house, like it was a general saving account, and one was for like vacations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so I had different funds and different budgets that I was dumping things into. Some percentage was different based on which one I was trying to go for. Um, but yeah, it was real easy to just like swap the money out. I was, yeah. I was like, hey, uh, you know, maybe I'm not going to take a vacation this year. I'm just going to dump some of this money back out yeah. into my checking. I'm going to do something else with it. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's very bad. Right. Depending and, on you know, habits. in your situation, you were still saving all this money anyways. So it's, you know, even a little bit different because the way you did it, um, which I actually agree with, is for long-term goals, you had different savings fund, saving accounts, which is really good. Um, but your checking was kind of like the wild card. It so was, it was yep. your groceries, it was it was everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, for you that worked, but I think you've always kind of just been pretty good with money, I just obviously. I spend money a lot of the time. Yeah, I and, have to. and yeah. you've been good at about saving. So I think for a lot of people, it's actually really powerful to make these monthly categories. Um, because, you know, for me, especially when I was younger, like coming out of my parents' house, they always just bought the groceries. So I had to kind of learn like, how to do that on my own. And so, you know, now I feel like pretty quickly I got to the point where you were, where I could do everything digitally. And I was, I had a lot more restraint about not transferring money out of my savings account. But I would say for, you know, three to six months, it was just really helpful to kind of use cash. And, you know, I don't say that very often because there's a lot of good credit cards that you can get rewards with. Um, so if you have that self-control, you know, I usually say, okay, go to the next level. But um, you know, for somebody just getting started, I was trying to think back to my journey, and I think the, the cash system could still work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and another reason I think this can work well is that way when you go out and you buy stuff, you can just start saving the change. You And, that you know, there's services that will do that for you. They automatically round up to the nearest dollar and pull that out and put it in a different savings account, right? Every time you buy something. But, yeah, yep. So every time you buy something, like a coffee, if it's, you know, $1.10, then 90 cents goes into the savings account. The idea being that you don't really notice that change. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can do this with cash. And I know when I was younger, when I was in high school, there was nothing more satisfying than, like, sitting down and rolling up quarters and just getting, like, (laughs) 40 bucks, right? Uh, yeah, that was very time consuming. Uh, I'm so glad they came out with that automatic change machine at the bank. That was- no, that well, okay, at the bank it's free, but if you use it at the grocery store, it costs money. Oh yeah, no. So unless your bank has I'm not, one, I'm not paying for somebody to sort my my change. I'll do it for free. It's just fun for me. Um, so you know, moving on to some of these other digital services they have. Did you ever use anything like Acorn or I think it used to be called like Dollop when I used it way back when? Uh, no, I didn't have anything like that. I think you told me about it after you'd used it. But. Yeah. So when I was in college, you know, again, still trying to figure out how to save money more effectively. Um, and I think, you know, I haven't looked into this in about six months. Acorn was the one I recommended at that point because it was free. But please do your own research. Find the right service for you. We always recommend that. Um, but this was, you know, I, I went and I signed up for the service and it was free. And basically what it did is a few times a week, it would just transfer like $2 and 50 cents or $5. Um, and it said it had an, a smart algorithm. So it'd never make you overdraft mm-hmm. based on your spending habits. Um, but before I knew it, by the end of the year, I had like $500 saved up. And in college, you know, that was enough to buy my books for the next semester and 
go out a couple nights. Right, so, so. you were basically just nickel and diming yourself uh, yeah. into, into a savings account. Right, yeah. but it was great because it was like a third-party savings account that I didn't have access to and I couldn't look at. And I could text that, you know, I could text it to get my balance and to withdraw money. But again, like even to withdraw money, you had to like answer all these questions. You know, like they, they tried to safe-proof it. So it's like <laughs> you really want to take this money out, you know. Um, so I recommend looking into services like that and kind of tricking yourself into savings if it's not very natural for you. Cool. So, um, well, I think that's actually most of what I wanted to chat about on this one. You know, just some good ideas to really start breaking out of that paycheck to paycheck cycle and getting on the path to saving money. But I think this is definitely one that I'm really curious about feedback for, you know, like if you are new to the financial journey and you're having a hard time getting started, is this, you know, resonating with you or are you like, nope, like none of that will help? Because I, I'm just curious, you know, I think we are definitely trying to make sure we are putting out valuable content for anybody, no matter where you are in your financial journey. Um, but it's a little bit hard because we have both been saving money, you know, pretty much our entire life. So we've always been penny pitchers. So, mm-hmm. um, I think we'd be very curious to know if there's any feedback on this one. Yeah, and there's, a, I mean, there's, we, as we've talked with people that have been in similar, similar situations like this, you know, everybody has a good excuse. Um, you know, there's reasons that they are in this situation. There's reasons that they can't save money. There's always ways to save money. We've always been able to find things that they could cut back on that didn't hurt them in any way, that didn't make mm-hmm. them feel like they were, you know, living in, outside of their means or, uh, you know, struggling to get by at that point from saving additional things. Uh, there's ways to save and you don't even know that you're missing it, right? So, exactly. um, you know, just ask questions. Uh, we'll be happy to respond to anything. Um, you know, we're here to give advice and for yeah. your particular situation, we'll be, we'll be happy to help. Yeah, so. definitely. And I, you know, I think six months down the road, when you start seeing that money accumulate, that's when like mentally it gets way easier, but definitely it's really hard in the beginning. So keep tuning in, keep, you know, listening to our podcast, following our journey, hearing what other cool things we're doing that maybe like you want to do in the future and we will help get you there as best we can. That's right. (laughs) We promise. So thanks for watching this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, please feel free to comment below. If you are on any other podcast app, uh, I will drop the contact information in so you can email me if you have any comments. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.